0: You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. So how many of you are on social media? You're on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook. And of all those formats, how many total friends do you have? Dozens? Hundreds? Thousands maybe? Those are your friends? Okay, now brace yourself. I'm going to give you a bit of bad news. I don't think they're really all your friends. I don't think when your birthday comes, you're going to have to worry about calling Publix and asking, how big of a sheet cake do I need for all my 3,127 friends? Because it's my birthday. I know they all love me. How big of a cake do I need? They're not all your friends, right? But here's what we've done. We've taken the word friendship and the concept of friendship, and we've applied it to any and all relationships. And let me just say that friendship takes more commitment than this, right? You're like, no, we're friends. I moved my thumb once. We're friends. Real friendship is more than that. So today I want to talk a little bit about friendship, and it starts with the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and what that means is that God is a friend group. God is loving and has relationship, and he made us in his image and likeness to have relationships, so we are relational beings by nature. And then the second member of the Trinity, God the Son, enters human history And he doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have kids, but he picks 12 friends. We call them disciples. That's Jesus' friend group. And one of them was a complete dud. Jesus was a perfect friend. He was a perfect friend of Judas, and he didn't have a good friendship with Judas because Judas wasn't a good friend. A friendship takes two people. But Jesus did also have in that group Three that were his nearest and dearest friends. We hear a lot about Peter, James, and John who were with him in special sacred moments when the others didn't have that access. So just looking at the example of Jesus, we need a relationship with God and we need a relationship with those around us. We can accept that some of those relationships will not end well. And in addition to a larger group of friends, there are those that we pull close to us. Those are the friends who are our nearest and dearest. And if you're looking for one book, actually the best book in the history of the world on friendship, it's called Proverbs. It's in the Old Testament. It's a collection of wisdom sayings, and a lot of them are about relationships. For example, Psalm—I mean, Proverbs 18, 24. One who has unreliable friends... Soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. All right, this is the example of Jesus. He's friendly towards all crowds of thousands come to see him, but he's friends with a few. And the way this works is that we tend to think that our relationships, all of them, would last an entire lifetime so how many of you, you remember back in high school, you were close with some people and maybe not so close anymore. Or have you ever gone back and read your, your yearbook? And when people wrote on the back and were like, hey, best buddy, love you forever, we'll be BFFs. And you're like, who is this? I don't even remember this person? So it's not necessarily one friendship for all seasons of life. He says, however, a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know who your nearest and dearest friends are because they endure through all seasons of life. My wife, Lori, and I, we were best friends in our 20s, in our 30s, now in our 40s. (laughs) Just want to see if I can get that in on you. So we've been friends a long time. That's someone who sticks close. And let me say this, relationships take a lot of energy and time and and money, and we only have so much energy and so much time and so much money to go around. We're limited people. And deep relationships take a lot of substance and deep deposit for them and So if you're someone who has a ton of relationships, that probably means you've made small deposits into those relationships, and those are more shallow. They're not as deep. And so this is the understanding that we should be friendly toward all, but for a variety of very practical reasons, you can only be true, deep, real friends with a few. And what happens is, if we only use this one category for a relationship, we say friendship, that leads to a lot of hurt because people will think, well, if we're friends, wouldn't you be available at any moment for me and, and, and can't you provide this and do that? Well, maybe we've used the wrong word for that relationship and so the expectation is, is higher than it should be and that led to Disappointment. So the next principle I want to hit on is that relational priority is necessary. So your first relationship was with the Lord, right? The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We've been invited into their friend group. So you repent of your sin. You trust in Jesus. You receive the Holy Spirit. God becomes your father. But ultimately, your relationship with the Lord is the priority. That's why we started this whole series with that principle. Time with the Lord, talking with the Lord, listening to the Lord, Bible reading, prayer, worship, so that you have love and grace and mercy and forgiveness to give to others. Then if you're married, it's your spouse. If you have children, it's your kids, or maybe it's your grandkids, or maybe toward aging parents or close friends. There's those that you gotta draw in. Those are the people that we determine are safe and healthy. Now, here's where I wanna go with a sermon. So we wanna talk about what makes for a bad friend and then we'll reverse this and what makes for a good friend. So what makes for a bad friend? Proverbs talks a lot about this. Let me give you a few things. The first one is smothering smothering makes for a bad friend. Here's Proverbs 25, 17. Seldom set your foot, seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you, and they will hate you. This is where it's like, okay, enough already, too much. You're in my house again. You're in my wallet again. You're on my phone again. You're like killing me, Smalls. So let me, let me explain this. The Bible says, only has one relationship that's defined as one. What is that? Husband and wife. So a friendship is, you have a life, I have a life. You have a bank account, I have a bank account. You have a house, I have a house. And on occasions, our lives intersect and that's a friendship. A marriage is, we have a life. We live in one house, we do one life together. People who smother you don't understand the difference between a friendship and a marriage. And they can want to have the same level of access and intimacy as a marriage. But they're not your spouse, right? They're not a spouse, and so they get hurt. They're like, well, I I thought we were friends. We are, but we're not married. Number two, flattering. Flattering can make for bad friends. Uh, Flattering mouth works ruin, Proverbs 26, 28. Some of you speak great words of encouragement. Use your mouth to build others up. You like to help people and give them joy and hope. Flattery is almost the opposite. And it's the manipulation of that gift. So a flatterer compliments, but for an ulterior motive. You look great. You're so smart. Oh, man, I love being around you. You're like the the best person I've ever met. And you know what? I I need something from you. Thank you for being so kind and safe and dependable and generous. Can I have $1,000? What a flatterer does is butter you up to set you up. That's what they do. A flatterer is someone who pretends to care about you, but all they really care about is manipulating you. So they're not really a friend, they're a fake friend, a pretend friend. All right? Number 3, how about a gossip? Proverbs 17:9 Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Gossip is triangulation. It's you tell me something, so maybe for you, you know, it's a secret. It's personal, private information. And I'm supposed to be a bank vault and hold on to that information so that we can have a safe relationship. And gossip is where I use that information against you. Oh, you want to know something about this friend? Oh, he told me so-and-so. And then that becomes an unholy alliance and an ungodly relationship. That's why the Bible talks a lot about gossip and has nothing good to say about busybodies. And let me say this to you, busybodies, social media is a terrible tool for you. Just realize if someone said something to you in confidence, it's their news to tell. And then number four, anger makes for a bad friend. Proverbs twenty-two, twenty-four: 24. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. Some of you have learned in relationships that if you're angry, you're grumpy, huh, you can control and manipulate and people won't ask you for things and they won't confront you. Uh, they won't talk to you because you're just kind of volatile. And that's your way of being stubborn or selfish, or maybe it's your way of becoming domineering, overbearing, high control. And that just leads to fear and threat of punishment. All right, so what makes for a good friend? Well, number one, friendliness. Here's one of the verses we saw earlier, but this is in a different translation And it says this, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. So someone's like, I don't have any friends. Why? Well, I came to church and I looked at the ground and then I sat over in the corner and I was just playing on my phone telling everybody how lonely I am. And somebody came over to talk to me, but I ignored them because I just don't think I have any friends. Well, I can tell you why. You're not a friendly person. You don't make eye contact. You don't return phone calls. You're not available. What else makes for a good friend? One who is wise. Let me say this. It's a lot of effort to have a relationship with a foolish person. It's a lot less effort to have a relationship with a wise person because the drama factor is lower. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. If you pick somebody who's wise and you seek to be wise, you're like, hey, we can pray for each other. We can hold each other accountable. You can tell me what you're reading and, and learning. I can tell you what I'm reading and learning. Then we can spur each other on toward love and good works. Wise people are a lot easier to have a relationship with, and those relationships tend to have less drama, less conflict, less demand, less expectation. And they also tend to go deeper, faster. So if you want to have better relationships, ask how you can be a wise person, and then seek relationships with those who are wise. Number three, a good friend, a friend loves at what times? Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. The bad days, your friends are the people that are walking towards you when everyone else is walking away from you. Oh, you got cancer. You lost your job. You're going through a divorce. Real friends stick by you and do things. The Puritans would talk about swallow friends. Swallows are birds that leave when winter comes. So, swallow friends are like, well, it's winter, see you when it gets nice again. You see, hard times don't change your friendships, they reveal them. You can't lose your friends. Real, your real friends are there in the hard times, in the adverse seasons. How do I know Lori is my best friend? She's still there. It's devotion. And that's good news about a friendship. A friendship makes the good times twice as good and the bad times half as bad. Speaking of friendship, love, marriage, for how many of you, when you got married, maybe this was your marriage passage. See if you don't recognize this from 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Just so you know, that's Jesus. Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus does not envy or boast. Jesus is not arrogant or rude. Jesus is not easily angered. Jesus does not rejoice at wrongdoing. The love of Jesus never ends and if you were to ask am I a loving person well put your name in there and see if it sounds like you am I patient and kind am I arrogant or rude do I insist on my own way do I have hope in all things and endure all things can you count on me or at some point is my commitment to you going to come to an end You see, love is an action before it's an emotion. That's why the Bible can talk about loving our enemies. It's a decision of the will over the emotions. Now I wanna talk to you about marital friendships. The first friendship, humanly speaking, is between a husband and a wife. So God makes Adam in his image and likeness. And God says that everything he made is good. And this is before sin entered the world. But there's one thing that God says is not good. That's the man is not to be alone. So he makes a helper fit for him because Adam needs someone else. So God says, I'm going to make a woman. They're going to get married, and that will be the cure for the loneliness. So the first human friendship is between a husband and wife. And I love this definition of marriage. It comes from the lips of the bride in the Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 16. She says of her husband, he is my lover and friend. This is a great definition of marriage. Lover. That's unique. Emotional. Intimate. Private. Not for every relationship. And friend. If you want better intimacy, it starts with friendship. Well, in a marriage, the friendship means you're aligned. You need to have integrity. You need to be in agreement. You need to come as as one together. You need to be the one building the friendship. And then you're like, you know what? We can talk about that pain. We can forgive that past hurt. We can overcome that obstacle. So let me share with you three kinds of marriage postures. There's back-to-back, shoulder-to-shoulder, and face-to-face. Back-to-back is literally, I'm done with you. How many of you, don't raise your hands, how many of you have done that? You've said, hey, I'm out. This is where you're back-to-back. You literally turn your back on each other. They call, they text, you don't respond. Bedtime comes, not a word. Roll over, pretend to be asleep, maybe they'll stop bothering you. Or you go sleep on the couch. Or better yet, they lose, they go sleep on the couch. That's back to back. That means you're adversarial, you're enemies, there's conflict. Next is shoulder to shoulder. This is where we get a lot of work done. We're coworkers. Now, marriage has a lot of shoulder to shoulder we've got to pay the bills we've got to get groceries we've got to raise the kids we've got to clean the house we need to serve the Lord a lot of our work that's got to be done is shoulder to shoulder but what happens is what holds many if not most marriages together is shoulder to shoulder is raising kids being involved parents and then as the couple ages you're like how did that marriage end why did they get a divorce uh, they did such a great job raising their kids You know why? Because it was all shoulder to shoulder. We're raising the kids. The kids left. You're all I've got left? It's because there's not a friendship. Look, shoulder to shoulder is required. But if that's all you have, it will not be endearing and it will not be enduring. Now, let me say this to you women. Understand that most men's relationships are shoulder to shoulder. The wife can say, okay, tell me about your friends. Well, Jack and I were in the military together. Johnny and I go hunting together. Tom and I eat chicken wings and watch the fight. And when men bleed, we kind of bond. And men, we're going to sit down and know that chickens gave their life for the Super Bowl. And we're going to sit down, and we're going to watch it. And when Jack and I ride to work together, I mean, he sits over there, and I'm over here. It's shoulder to shoulder. And the wife will ask, well, well, tell me about him. Like, what do you mean? Is he tall, short? I don't know. Does he have a beard? I don't know. I don't even know if he has a head. Well, don't you guys look at each other? No, no. And if he gazes in my eyes, he's getting hurt it's shoulder to shoulder, right? And then there's face-to-face. Women tend to build their relationships face-to-face. How many of you men, how many of you guys, when you talk to a friend who lives outside your local area, you don't do FaceTime? Women are more prone to want to do face-to-face online or in person. It's, hey, we need to see each other. Look at facial expressions. I'd love to see what's going on with them. We've got to talk. We've got to catch up. So us men need to understand, to have a friendship with our wife, we've got to do some face-to-face, which means date night is not, oh, we watch TV together. A lot of men would say, no, 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 I'm a good husband. I work hard and I provide. That's good. That's good. But you got to add the emotional work. You see, face-to-face is the Bible's language for friendship. Exodus thirty-three eleven says the Lord would speak to Moses face-to-face as one speaks to a friend. And 1 Corinthians 13 that we saw a portion of earlier goes on to say, one day we will see Jesus face-to-face. That's the Bible's language for friendship. So let me begin to close with this. How do you have a friendship, especially in marriage? And those of you that are single, 90% of you will marry. So pick somebody who's a friend because it's not just all romance. Sometimes you got to go to the grocery store. Sometimes you got to clean house. Sometimes you got to do the laundry. It's life together. Ecclesiastes 9. Go, eat your food with gladness. Drink your wine with a joyful heart for God has already approved what you do. If you are a believer, God loves you. He's already forgiven you. He adores you. Always be clothed in white. That's the Bible's way of saying, repent of your sin, come clean. Repent of your sin. You're forgiven, you're clean, you're righteous in the sight of God. Always anoint your head with oil that's a symbolism for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to be at work in your life. Enjoy life. Now, that doesn't mean do whatever you feel like you want to do. It means obey God, do the right thing, walk with a clear conscience, enjoy life. How many of you do not enjoy life? But it's not just enjoy life. I want you to see the rest of this verse. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love. All the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. That word meaningless in the Hebrew literally means brief, fleeting. What this means is that life goes so fast. How many of you have noticed that? You're like, I went to bed a toddler and I woke up in the nursing home. I mean, it went so fast. I went from diaper to diaper. (laughs) Two days. Life goes quick. And you're thinking, well, once we acquire this thing, Once we pay off this debt, once the kids get to this age, once the dog stops messing up the house, once we, you keep naming it, then we'll really start living life. Look, life has a lot of work. You and I can literally schedule ourselves into exhaustion. And then there's no time for the relationships, especially the ones that we need to build on the most And this sermon is as much for me as anyone. So just so you know, at some point this fall, I'm gonna schedule a weekend off so I can spend more time building on the relationship with my best friend. And I hope you'll do the same. Except not my best friend, you do it with your own. (laughs) Leave Lori out of this. (laughs) But you begin to build some away time with your spouse. Date nights, so that you can be re-energized to do the work of face to face. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website bhpres.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.